0: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: Good evening. Tomorrow is December 28th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily Bowl preview series. I'm your producer, Tani Levitt, and there are two bowls to preview today. First up, Alex Halstead will preview the Camping World Bowl between Notre Dame and Iowa State. Then, Sean Fitz and Christian Fowler will preview the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic between Penn State and Memphis.
2: Hi, my name is Alex Halstead from the Cyclone Scoop, and I'm here to preview the Camping World Bowl between Notre Dame and Iowa State for the College Football Daily. The Camping World Bowl will feature 10 10-2 Notre Dame, which came in at number 15 in the final college football playoff rankings. The Fighting Irish will be playing 7-5 Iowa State for the first time in history. The Cyclones wound up in Florida after a roller coaster season that saw them lose three games by one or two points. In fact, four of Iowa State's five losses came by just one score. Notre Dame arrived in Orlando on a bit of a sour note. The Fighting Irish were a preseason college football playoff contender and missed a New Year's Six Bowl with losses to Michigan and Georgia. The matchup between Iowa State and Notre Dame will feature two of college football's top quarterbacks, according to Pro Football Focus. Iowa State's Brock Purdy ranked number eight nationally with nearly 3,800 passing yards this season and has tied or broken 18 of Iowa State's program records during his sophomore season. Notre Dame's Ian Book, meanwhile, ranked number 27 nationally and is closing in on 3,000 passing yards with more than 500 yards on the ground. Those two signal colors might highlight the nationally televised matchup on ABC. In fact, offense may rule the day in this one. Notre Dame enters Saturday's game ranked number 13 nationally, averaging 37.1 points per game, while Iowa State ranks number 26 nationally, averaging 34.1 points per game. That could lead to an exciting, high-powered bowl matchup in the Sunshine State. That doesn't mean defense won't be a factor in this one. Notre Dame has allowed only 13 passing touchdowns this season and features a four-man front that Iowa State isn't as familiar with. Offensive coordinator Tom Manning estimates that the Cyclones have seen 75% three-man front this season, meaning Saturday will present a new challenge. Iowa State, will, meanwhile, will throw out a three-three-five defensive scheme that Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly said is one of the most unique his program has seen, even while playing as an independent. Here's what coach Brian Kelly said stands out about Iowa State when watching film.
3: Well, I think when you look at it offensively, the size of the tight ends create matchup problems. Uh, Purdy as a quarterback is uh, such a great competitor. Um You know, obviously the the freshman running back has has gotten better and better. I just think the balance on the offensive side of the ball, they've been able to score lots of points against really good football teams. And then defensively, um, they create problems because of the uniqueness of the scheme. You're not really sure exactly what it is at times. um, And and maybe that's part of the the whole thing. (laughs) Um, Because they do such a really good job of of um, you know creating um, a different look uh, against different teams, but uh, a unique st- structure defensively. Um, but I think what what I think when you talk about Iowa State, it's a team that plays hard uh, for four quarters, and you know you can see some teams on film that uh, you know in the second half they start to wear down. This football team plays stronger in the second half.
2: That's what Kelly had to say about the Cyclones before kickoff Saturday. Here's what Iowa State coach Matt Campbell had to say about Notre Dame.
4: You know, I think watching Coach Kelly's teams, no matter where he's been, I think they've always had a very common denominator. And that's um, great fundamentals, great detail. And then you, you look at this year's Notre Dame team and the size, um, you know, defensively, the size and discipline across the board. Um, The ability to create turnovers with that defensive front and the ability to, you know, have length in the secondary to be able to close the passing windows is really impressive. On the offensive side of it, again, the size at the offensive line, the wide receivers, the tight ends, um, you know, certainly the, the, I think the great understanding of the offense at the quarterback position and the detail that he plays with and the ability to make things happen with not only his feet but his arm. It's really impressive. So I think all those things combined, and then you throw in special teams, uh, just a really well-coached football team that never beats itself.
2: For Iowa State to win Saturday, we'll need to find a way to control the line of scrimmage. Iowa State ranks number 10 nationally in sacks allowed this season, but will be attempting to slow a four-man Notre Dame front that has helped produce 30 sacks, a mark that ranks 38th nationally. If Iowa State can't give Purdy time to work, it could be a long day. For Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish must get the ground game going. When Notre Dame has lost in the last two seasons to Clemson, Michigan, and Georgia... It hasn't found success in the running game. Notre Dame is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. ESPN's Football Power Index gives Notre Dame a 67.6% chance to win, and SP Plus projects Notre Dame to win 28-25 with a 58% win probability. If you want to hear more about Iowa State, then you can check out the Cyclone Scoop podcast. This was a College Football Daily preview for the Camping World Bowl, and I'm Alex Halstead signing off.
1: Thanks, Alex. Next up, the Cotton Bowl. We'll start
5: with Sean Fitz for the Penn State Talk, and then bring in Christian Fowler for Memphis. Hello, my name is Sean Fitz, and I'm joined by Tyler Donahue of Lions 24-7 with Fight on State. We're here to preview the Goodyear Cotton Bowl between the Memphis Tigers and the Penn State Nittany Lions for the College Football Daily. Tyler, certainly an interesting game because a lot of it is unknown. Penn State's uh, offensive coordinator, Ricky Ronnie, moved on to be the old Dominion head coach. They've replaced him with Tyler Bone for the time being, just hired a new uh, offensive coordinator yesterday. But what's the most interesting thing to you? Because really, these are two coaching staffs that are, are kind of in transition right now. Yeah, Memphis
6: has their new head coach, but he, hes it's his first game. The Cotton Bowl against Penn State. Welcome to the big show. Uh, and obviously their defensive coordinator moves on as well. So you've got two interim situations there going back and forth. And to me, the interesting thing here is is—is Penn State getting maybe a little bit healthier at the right time starting with Sean Clifford and Noah Kane in the backfield. Not sure how much we'll see with with Kane at the running back spot, but I think it's very apparent after seeing Will Levis for the final six quarters of the regular season, he's not where he needs to be right now as a passer. I think he's a tremendous athlete, and he's a quality backup quarterback for them right now, but it's a different offense with Sean Clifford there. Sounds like he's going to be the healthiest he has been since October. Hard to say he'll be 100%, but I think that's something that we'll all be, be watching. We have seen Sean Sean, we've seen Clifford uh, go out and and have some really hot starts and, and help Penn State go and hide away in some of these
5: games during the regular season, I think we'll get a pretty good indication early of where he is at. You've got a Memphis team with really nothing to lose. On the, uh, Conversely, you've got Penn State. They're the team that that, that draws the short straw in the New York Six Bowl that, that we see every year, and that you have to play the group of five team. You're supposed to beat the group of five team, even though the group of five team, three and two in these games since 2014. So it, it's just a really interesting approach. Memphis, nothing to lose. Penn State, uh, you know, not much to gain, I guess you could say. So from there, you've got that going into the game. Penn State's offense. You mentioned Sean Clifford. Um, you know He did not play against Rutgers to close the season with an injury. Uh, that's going to be the most interesting thing because this offense really sputtered at times when they needed it to step up. You've got K.J. Hamler and Pat Fryermuth to get the ball to. But really, you'd like to see Penn State sort of put themselves in a position to enter 2020 with a strong offensive showing.
6: And we know how strong their offensive uh, ground game has been at times. Journey Brown was fantastic down the stretch uh, with Noah Kane's sideline. I I do wonder, with Cain coming back into the mix, how does that impact uh, maybe the distribution of reps? They've used four running backs in just about every game this year. I think that's something worth worth keeping an eye on. But for as good as Noah Cain was for the first two-thirds of the season, leading Penn State in rushing as a true freshman, I think it's hard to ignore what Journey
5: Brown did when his volume went up and up and up during the final month of the season. A lot of the focus for Ryan Silverfield when we talked about in the Memphis head coach, who's now the full-time Memphis head coach, was about that Penn State defense. Of course, All-American Micah Parsons, Yeter Gross Matos did not play at the end of the season. He had a hand injury. He's going to be back for the game. But there, there was a lot of talk about that because Memphis offense has been very explosive. Quarterback Brady White's been throwing the ball over the place. They've got some really good skill players as well. So that's probably one of the most intriguing things when you're talking about from a matchup standpoint is how does this defense, this Penn State front four especially, Going against Memphis that's missing a starting offensive tackle, a starting tight end, very integral to their blocking schemes. How does that sort of uh, you know play out over the next couple of, uh, over the four quarters? Tigers are a top 10 scoring
6: team in college football for a reason, over 40 points per game. And you know, this Penn State defense, let's face it, November was a bit of a nightmare at times for their pass coverage. That's what Memphis can do very well. Brady White's a former big-time recruit, and he stepped up in two years as the quarterback for the Tigers to, to be one of the most efficient uh, players in his conference. So I think when you look at the weapons he's got, Gainwell at running back, uh, Coxie at wide receiver. Uh, you got Gibson at wide receiver, too, who's also an all-conference uh, special teams player of the year as a return man. They've got the weapons. Don't let the you know the lack of a brand fool you. This is a team in Memphis, 12 wins for the first time in school history. And, and I think, you know, kind of going back to what's interesting here is there was a, a kind of a deflated feeling of Penn State coming out of the Citrus Bowl last year, losing against the Kentucky team. And I think there, although Kentucky's out of the SEC, Sean, there is a bit of a mirror when you say uh, Kentucky enjoyed uh, a generational Generation generationally great season in 2018. Memphis is enjoying an all-time great season. And they're kind of in the storybook mode right now. Uh, you know, Penn State, uh, Franklin values that 11th win. And I, it doesn't matter who it's against. It's a New
5: Year's Six Bowl and uh, i think you know folks should not take the tigers lately they certainly would like to set them up for some offseason momentum penn state a touchdown favorite the over under right around 60 right now so kind of expect some points i've got penn state winning 38-30 that that defense we've seen going down the stretch they they can give up yards they can give up points so be really interesting to see how memphis counters uh, that pass rush and if if penn state can make brady white uncomfortable i think they can be okay uh, eight point game i think it's going to be a good game i expect points i expect a penn state win
6: Uh, Would be their third 11 win season in four years. And I've got 34 to 24. I I just think Penn State's got uh, more playmaking ability on defense, guys who can really uh, change things. And uh, ultimately, whether it's Ditor Grossmatos or uh, Micah Parsons, I just like their defense to come up with a few more plays than I think Memphis's defense will be able to do uh, against Penn State. So
5: sign me up for a 10 point Penn State win and an 11 2 finish. If you want to hear more about the Nittany Lions, you can check us out on the Lions 24 7 podcast. This was the College Football Daily Preview for the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. I'm Sean Fitz. This is Tyler Donahue signing off. What's up everybody this is Christian
7: Fowler from Go Tigers 247 Memphis's 247 affiliate and today I'm going to be previewing the Cotton Bowl between Memphis and Penn State a little bit from the Memphis perspective Uh, so as we know Memphis finished season 12 and 1 AAC champions had the best season in school history but they have certainly had some turnover since the season ended Uh, right after the AAC championship game it was announced that Mike Norvell was going to Florida State to take over as the head coach so that was really the first domino to fall uh, and then Ryan Silverfield was uh, named interim head coach and eventually named head coach. But Adam Fuller, Memphis's defensive coordinator, headed to Florida State with Mike Norvell. So that is the offensive and defensive play caller. Mike Norvell played the, uh, called the plays for Memphis. Uh, So in the Cotton Bowl, they will be having two different play callers on both sides of the ball. So certainly from a coaching perspective, there's been a little bit of turnover already. Uh, The rest of the staff is still intact other than those two. But obviously, like I've mentioned, play callers will be different, which is which is obviously big. Norvell's called plays for four years. Uh, Adam Fuller, this was his first year as a defensive coordinator and uh, really turned around the Memphis defense. They had their best season in years, and I think a lot of it was because of Adam Fuller coming in, switching to a 4 3 defense from a 3 4. Uh, it, really, it really seemed to fit the personnel better. Uh, play calling seemed to be a lot crisper under Adam Fuller. Came in with some exotic blitz, blitz packages. Uh, really helped the front seven develop into a into a very good unit this year. So that was a big loss. Uh, linebackers coach Kevin Kloon is taken over as the interim defensive coordinator, uh, former defensive coordinator at Oregon State and Utah State. So he does have a little bit of experience. Uh, this is actually his second year on Memphis' staff. He was a graduate assistant last year was promoted to a linebackers coach this year. So he will be calling the plays on the defensive side of the ball and on the offensive side of the ball, it will be offensive coordinator Kevin Johns, who's obviously had a hand in the offense all year. This was his first season as offensive coordinator, and although Norvell was the primary play caller, Kevin John certainly uh, had a hand in the offense and helped with preparation, and, uh, and I'm sure helped with some play calling duties at some point. Uh, but he will be calling plays. He is uh, formerly of Western Michigan, Texas Tech, coached under Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech, so a guy that is regarded as a as a very very good offensive mind, uh, and he will he will get a shot. And from everything Coach Silverfield said, he's really going to be the guy. To take over, so moving on with with a little bit more turnover on this team. Uh, first one was Scotty Deal. Uh, earlier, uh, two weeks ago, uh, Coach Silverfield announced that Scotty Deal would miss the game and would start, you know, preparing for his future and whatever he was doing next. So, that is Memphis's starting right tackle, he will be out for the game. And then on Christmas Day, it was announced by Joey Magnifico himself that he will be missing the game, uh, due to some infection in his knee, he will have to sit out. So, Memphis is down. Two offensive players. Uh, Scotty Dill started every game for Memphis this season. Uh, Joey Magnifico is a, a four-year guy. Memphis has really started for three seasons, uh, been in a, a big piece of the offense. Not a huge receiving threat, and he's never been over 370 yards in a season, but he is a, a huge piece of the offense as far as the blocking scheme goes. He's uh, used all the time as a blocker uh, and, and occasionally used as a receiver and is, is quite a good receiver when he does get out. So Memphis is down a few playmakers and, and, and down a little bit on the coaching staff, so there's, there's certainly been some turnover since, since the end of the season. So Memphis will have some stuff. To overcome, that's for sure. But you know, for anybody that has watched this team or is a fan of this team, uh, knows knows what they're capable of. And, and I really don't think uh, some coaching turnover and, and losing a right tackle on a tight end is going to derail this offense too much because they've been one of the best in the country. All season, when you look at playmakers from Antonio Gibson, DeMonte Coxie, Kenny Gainwell, Patrick Taylor, the list really seems to go on and on. So even though they will be without a couple of guys who have have started every game this season and been a big part of the offense, I think they should be fine on that side of the ball. And then on the defensive side of the ball, like I said, Kevin Kloon will be calling plays. Uh, I think the philosophy will stay a lot of the same of what it's been all season Uh, under adam fuller you know a lot of these guys have developed into the players that people thought they could be uh, and really stepped up this year and i I think just one game is not going to change that i don't think it's it's all going to go downhill just because adam fuller is gone now i'm sure there would be some some different blitz calls some different coverage looks some different stunts and twists inside minor adjustments but for the majority i think we'll see the same I think it's really the same on the offensive side of the ball as well. I mean, from how successful this offense has been, Silverfield and Johns aren't going to change too much. Uh, you know, we could see some wrinkles added, uh, but that's that's really it as far as as on the offensive side of the ball. It's it's kind of that if it's not broke, don't fix it approach. When you have all the pieces there, uh, just keep rolling, keep doing what you're doing. But it's it, it will be exciting to watch because you really get to see a team go strength on strength. Penn State's strengths in their front seven. Obviously, they've been very good on defense all season, and, and Memphis has had an extremely explosive offense. So it's uh, it's really going to come down to game planning scheming, uh, and scheming, and it will be exciting to see uh, the way this one goes because, like I said, two talented teams – Strength on strength is always fun to watch, so I'm sure Penn State's defense is going to come in fired up and ready to go, and obviously Memphis' offense is going to be prepared to roll because that's what they've done all season. Uh, No one's really been able to stop them yet, and I think they have that mindset that they can't be stopped. So uh, when two strengths meet, it
1: will be very interesting to see who goes down. That's going to do it for today's College Football Daily Bowl previews. If you like what you heard from Alex, Sean, and Christian, subscribe to Cyclone Scoop. Lions 247, or Tigers in 20 for Iowa State, Penn State, and Memphis News. We will be previewing every single bowl and bringing you regular episodes of the College Football Daily. So if you like what you hear, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give a five-star rating and review. For Alex Halstead, Sean Fitz, Christian Fowler, and our hosts, Connor Tapp and Trey Scott, I'm your producer, Tony Levitt, and we'll see you tomorrow with another edition of the College Football Daily.